today I sent a letter out to my fifth grade teacher, Miss Kelly Homer. A great teacher and an even better person. Welcome to The Bruised. Ms. Homer, no doubt, you'll remember me as your fifth grade student at Canyonville Elementary School during the 1989-1990 school year. In fact, you were probably well aware of me long before that September day I walked into your classroom. After five years of attendance at the school, I'd already made quite a name for myself. Stories you might have heard before I became your student may have included the following. Kindergarten. I had my very own emergency bottle of Ritalin stashed in the school secretary's desk. This was there in the case that I forgot my pill at home on any given morning. Also kindergarten. A special three foot by four foot by six foot area of the classroom was especially partitioned off from the rest of the room so that I could be physically and visually isolated from the other students during individual work time. This was created in hopes that it might reduce the number of disruptions I caused to the other students. It didn't work. It took all of five minutes to realize that I could be just as disruptive with just my voice. Second grade, I made a vulgar hand gesture towards another student while that student was standing right next to the teacher. Shocked at the gesture, the teacher then quarantined me behind the class coat rack while she prepared everyone else in the classroom for her absence as she planned to then take me to the principal's office for what I'd done. In those few moments, I gathered what items I could. Boots, gloves, sandwiches, juice boxes, snack packs. And then I launched those grenade style over the coat rack onto my fellow classmates. It was awesome. Fourth grade. Now I'm positive you've heard this one. I'd pestered my homeroom teacher so consistently that on a February afternoon, after I had engaged in some gratuitous flatulent simulation, this teacher decided that she'd had enough of me. And that day I earned myself a solitary desk adjacent to the principal's office for the last four months of the school year. Now, as my mom tells the story, at the end of that fourth grade year, she was called in to meet with the principal, Dr. Woods. They're going to discuss my future at the school. My mom fully expected an invitation to place me in the district's school that was specifically set apart for the emotionally gifted children. She therefore was actually shocked then when Dr. Woods told her, Mrs. Bagley, we have found the perfect fifth grade teacher for Todd. After explaining to my mom that he'd gotten to know me better during the four months I sat outside his office, he concluded that Todd just needs somebody to love him. 
And then when my mom agreed with Dr. Woods, pausing momentarily, she rightly questioned him. Yeah, but who would do such a thing? Miss Homer, there's no doubt that you had actually volunteered for such a thing before my mother's meeting with Dr. Woods. As a teacher at Canyon View, during my fourth grade year, you would have unmistakably seen me at that lone desk, kitty corner to the teacher's lounge next to the principal's office. It actually makes me laugh to think how conversations in that lounge would have gone during February of that year. Like a new teacher walking in and being like, hey, that kid over there on the desk next to the principal's office, what's that about? And then somebody gone, oh, that's Todd Bagley. As if my name would like explain everything. To which then that new teacher saying, you know, I'm fairly new here. I'm not familiar with Todd Bagley. And then the other teacher being like, seriously? All right, grab your coffee and come over here and sit down. I got a lot of awesome stories to tell you. Now, Miss Homer, given my reputation, you had every opportunity to gather pertinent information on what you were actually getting yourself into. Knowing how an intentional person you are, you clearly must have pondered the task that you were undertaking. And given some of the most memorable moments from my time as your students, you clearly placed careful thoughts. You probably threw up a prayer or two on how you might positively shape my experience. So that now, even 33 years later, I vividly remember several moments in which you subtly conveyed that there was more to me than just that class delinquent. So here are three highlights of intentional moments in which you enabled my self-belief. Number one, several months into the school year, you were serving the additional role as my English and reading teacher. You one day called me out of English and reading class during personal work time and told me that you were demanding that I be placed in the upper level English class. This was actually the class that I'd been assigned to every preceding year, but I'd been relegated as a result of the personality conflict I'd had with my fourth grade English teacher. You told me that it was evident that I belonged in that advanced class and that it was likely that I just needed a change of scenery. Number two. Now, this must have been prior to event number one. You again pulled me out of English class. At this point, you informed me how you felt I should be assigned the memorization and recitation of an important poem. You then educated me on the background of and your reverence for Walt Whitman's metaphorical eulogy to Abraham Lincoln. O Captain, my captain. This poem had been illuminated in the day's culture by the newly released motion picture Dead Poet Society as a type of honorable and also irreverently defiant salute to a beloved teacher slash leader. I can't watch that movie without wishing I would have climbed up on my desk that last day of fifth grade and yelled out, Oh, Captain, my captain, in a salute to you. Number three. This final memory is more of a collective highlight, one in which I account for your character throughout the school year in general. Though your effort was obviously intentional to uplift me, I never felt like I had a free ride. You demanded respect, and I felt the pressure of expectations. 
And in fact, I still have several images in my memory of you looking at me in disappointment, either for mistreating another student or for making an inappropriate remark. Yet, for a kid who probably really deserved it, you never took advantage of my juvenile behavior in a belittling manner. When I, when I actually called out, hey, mom, and the class roared out in laughter, you took the whole thing in stride and actually made it look like you were honored to be called such. You also let me stay after school many times, even sometimes after you left for the day, to actually continue my enthrallment in a program that you had provided on the class computer. Now, many previous teachers were likely afraid to leave a classroom if I was one of the students in their classroom, let alone if I was by myself. Admittedly, that was a big risk on your part. Notwithstanding, the impression it made on me was proportionately positive. Now, lastly, a little awkwardness, I acknowledge that it was beneficial for an 11-year-old boy to get some positive attention from a pretty lady. Now, I'm confident that such a trait influenced my desire to avoid disappointing you. Now, Ms. Homer, one of the greatest legacies you left with Canyon View Elementary School was referred to as the Heroes Assembly. Now, in this fifth grade program, each student was given the opportunity to highlight a personal hero. The highlight of the entire project <laughs> was the unrestrained singing of all fifth grade students, Bette Midler's Wind Beneath My Wings. A little side note here. Here's to you, Bette Midler, and your consistency. I am still just as fond of your music now as I was when I was an 11-year-old boy. So much so that when asked by friends if I would like to attend a mediocre music concert, Bette Midler actually helps communicate a vague, no thank you. In a case like this, hey Todd, would you like to go see uh, Genesis in concert tonight? To which then I reply, only if Bette Midler's not in town. Back to things more meaningful than Miss Midler. As a good person and a great teacher, you will have already received every accolade possible through the school. And I'm sure many other accolades have probably come your way, both from groups you've served and individuals whose lives you've touched over the past 30 plus years. Mine is just a simple salute to you for an undesirable voluntary act that you undertook 33 years ago. It was truly an act of meaning. An act of meaning that altered the dismal trajectory of a young boy's life into something that has since become significantly purposeful to not a few people. Miss Homer, you were revered by the holiest woman in my life, my recently deceased mother. We must have spent over a hundred hours since that fifth grade year talking about our gratitude that you chose to be a part of our lives. Also, 
My four kids all know the story of the teacher who loved me. And most, as a result, have selected Oh Captain, My Captain as one of the first poems to recite in their own school recitation festivals. Also, my wife was the one who actually encouraged me to address you as the first person in my current endeavor to communicate the roles of relationships in the life of someone chronically emotionally compromised. So here's a small feather for your cap, Miss Callie Homer. You enabled me to find purpose in the face of trial so that I then might communicate hope to those who also struggle. I will always consider you an uncommon friend. And finally, as a favor for all you've enabled within me, I promise that you will be the only person for which, by request only, I will ever willingly listen to that Midler's Wind Beneath My Wings again. You're welcome. Signed, Todd Bagley, The Bruised. third grade to fourth grade. Oh, third grade to fourth grade. I had it wrong. Yeah, third mm. to fourth grade. And at that point, I went into Dr. Woods, who was a a great principal. Such a so, good principal. Yeah, I absolutely. Song of the year. Yeah. Anyway, um, I said, Todd's got to be out of her class. She, I said, they do not get along. And he says, oh, no. He says, I've talked to her. She really wants another try at it. She really does love Todd. She wants to try and see if they can make it right. And I said, it's not going to work. And he said, I want to try. And that was like, yeah, September. And it was probably, I don't know if you made it through October or not. But anyway, she's refused to teach you. That was that was springtime. It, it was, was spring? Like, it was spring. I made it through a couple months. Okay, okay. I'm seeing my memory probably isn't as good. Because I, re I, I remember being, well, it was probably March. March, Where okay. they put me out outside of... Principal Wood's office, Dr. Wood's office. And he office. said, you're right. And he said, I'm going to be Todd's teacher for the rest of the year. And he put his desk outside of his. And I think you and he got along great. Yeah. I mean, I remember going to his office and being like, oh, you're, you did something bad. But I don't remember feeling anger towards him. Anger, yeah. Anyway, so at the end of the school year, I said, when I said, okay, what are we going to do for Todd next year? Which would have been fifth grade. Mm -hmm. And I said, are you going to give him a teacher that'll be really strict with him? Because I guess I was thinking that's what he needed. And he said, no. He said, I'm going to give him a teacher who will love him. He said, Todd will be fine if he has a teacher who loves him. And it just rang true to me. And he said, I know just the one. And what was her name? It's, it's Callie Homer. Homer? Homer. Miss yeah. Homer. Miss Homer. And it was like night and day. Todd got in there, 
and he would have done anything for her. Never, never any trouble.